I have lots of good memories, but to tell you the truth, they're, they're memories like anybody else has. They're like when we would go to our World Series trips, you know, the people, the friends that we made, the couples that we hung out with and their kids and doing things with them. Those are some of our best friends. I mean, you will not beat baseball, the baseball community, the baseball moms and dads. Welcome back to Moms in Baseball. This is Stephanie, and it's episode 26. And I'm Diana. Today we have a guest with us. Her name is Debbie Michalacek. I hope I said that correctly. Yes, you did. I'm proud of you. Uh, thank you. I practiced. <laughs> <laughs> Debbie is from Houston, Texas. And Debbie has a son, uh, Nick Michalacek. He is a six foot two right handed pitcher playing in the minors with the Indians organization. He was drafted by the Indians in the 11th round from Sam Houston State University in 2019. Welcome, Debbie. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you. We're so happy to have you. So, we're really excited to talk to you about you know, what it was like kind of going backwards. Obviously, now you know how successful your son is at the moment, but you'd obviously didn't know that all along. So we're curious to see what it was like for you and your experience raising a future professional baseball player. So we're going to start kind of with the early years first and see what that was like. Well, he watched his uh, younger brother play. Uh, I mean, his older brother play. He was the younger brother. And so he always wanted to be just like his brother. And I can remember going to the baseball games when he was like a toddler and he wouldn't sit and watch the game. He would go find someone else and some other little kids or big kids and start a, a baseball game. So I knew he was going to play. Um, and then when he got in school, he was in the first grade. He wrote down in his journal that he was going to be a um, major league baseball player. And nice. I saw it in, in his journal, but I forgot about it. And yeah. when he was actually drafted by the Indians, his first grade teacher told me, she said, go find his journal if you still have it. And I said, yeah, in fact, I do I do still have it because I thought that was the neatest journal she had them do. And she said, I remember him writing down that he wanted to be a baseball player. And that's all he talked about. It was like it was in his mind. So um, he was very talented. Um, he got to play up, you know, he got to play up on his brother's team one time we were in a tournament or something. It was before they, they weren't as strict on the age group back then. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he played with the guys that were like three years older than him and he rocked it. So we kind of, <laughs> we, we, we kind of knew then that, Hey, you know, he's talented, but he was a dual sport athlete. So he played um, anything that had a ball. He played tennis, he played football, he played basketball. By the time he got to, high school he was just a dual sport basketball and um baseball but I can remember when he played basketball in the like when he was in third grade just at the church league his basketball coach saying one day he's going to play professional ball I just don't know what sport it's going to be but it's going to be something to do with the ball I was like well I hope you're right <laughs> yeah apparently he knew what he was talking <laughs> Absolutely. about right <laughs> yeah yeah all right Debbie let's bring it back a little bit um so did Nick play little league Yes. He started when he was five years old. He went into select ball. I would say probably, I think he, he was pretty young, six or seven. He was already playing select league. Um, oh, wow. But he did not play. Every coach he ever had was not in, from an academy. He was not a paid coach. It was uh, a dad coach, but the dads that he played with, most all of them he played with uh, were former college and players and we had 
I think one that might've played one year in the minor leagues. So we were blessed there. So you're saying he didn't have, he wasn't playing for like high level expensive type baseball academies with paid coaches. For the most part, he was playing with, with volunteer coaches. Yeah. And, but we were playing in those same tournaments that the people that the paid against the academies. And so mm-hmm. you can imagine when we would beat those academies, how thrilled we would be because, uh, you know, all we were having to do is do a little fundraising to go on our trips and we weren't having to pay the coach too. And um, we we were very, very blessed that when he was drafted, uh, these, these coaches continued still to this day, continue to show an interest in him and keep up with him. Yeah, that's great. That's nice. That's yeah. That's a great bond Mm -hmm. for your select ball tournaments. Did you guys play out of state or mostly stay in Texas? Uh, we, every year we had, you know, the world series tournaments and they were usually out of state. Um, and then as he got older, you know, would have different teams that he kind of got, he got to be known as a good player, a good utility player, because he could play multiple positions, infield, mainly the infield and he could pitch. And so different teams would also contact them and say, hey, we need a player for this tournament or whatever you up, we'll pay your expenses. And of course, he was always up for it. Absolutely. Did you ever do any private lessons? And if you did, at what age did you start? Never had any private lessons. Wow. Never wow. went through academy, never had any private lessons. Um, I, you know, we have all, we all have our philosophies. My philosophy is if you got, you got the talent, you're going to get there. But he had the advantage of having coaches that kind of knew what they were doing. You know, they had, they knew baseball. Well, he did have that advantage, but he, we never invested a lot of money in uh, anything like that in private lessons or anything like that. And um, the only real investment we made were making sure as he got old enough to be seen um, that, you know, you need to go to tournaments where there are people that are looking, you know, that are, and also where you have the opportunity to uh, maybe be filmed when you're pitching or filmed when you're playing ball. So are you talking about maybe like a recruiting service or showcase tournaments? Uh, Things like, um, you know, like maybe camps at colleges. Oh, uh uh-huh. But also uh, some of the tournaments, some of the, I I don't know what they are called now because, you know, everything's changed. But back then it was like perfect games and Mm -hmm. some of the other ones that were uh, well known and that had, you know, that can get you some exposure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. So tell us a little bit about Nick's experience or um, how he did in high school. Um, He was like the second guy to come in to pitch because there was another guy a senior or junior senior during the time that he was playing. And he, this guy was really good and he was drafted as well. And um, so Nick was younger. So Nick, he looked up to him. It was like, Uh when he's gone, I'm going to take his place. So that's pretty much what he did. And um, the last year, his last year of uh, high school, he was MVP for our big district district six, a, which is a big district in the mm-hmm. Houston area. Did he just play like his junior and senior year? Did he follow the traditional route there? Or do you remember if he started up on varsity earlier? Yeah, he started up earlier. I want to say that it was his sophomore year 
that they started pulling him up for for the big games, for the tournaments and the things like that. Okay. But I don't think he officially was varsity to like junior. But this particular high school that he played, they had a sophomore team and then they had, you know, junior varsity and then they had varsity. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like he went to a pretty big school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very big school. Right. Yeah. That's what I was just going to say with some probably big hitters there as well. (laughs) Yes. Now that we talk about that, we know he's a pitcher now. Did he, was he just a pitcher in high school on varsity or was he, did he play all positions? He played um, during this time in high school, he played second base primarily, shortstop sometime, third base sometime and pitched. Okay. And I'm assuming he hit, he hit as well then, right? Yeah, he hit. He was a good hitter. So that was, you know, when you go to a Division One uh, school, you you go as a set. If you go as a pitcher, you pitch. You don't bat. Uh, so he kind of missed that. But they don't want their pitchers getting hurt. Yeah, right. Yeah, that seems really common, actually. Mm-hmm. You talked earlier about his older brother, your other son, and that you know, and that he played baseball when he was younger. So I'm just curious, did he continue to play all the way through too, or? No, he played up until high school. He did not make the high school team. There were a lot of things going on at the time. It was like a rainy day and they had practice inside the gym. And my older son was not a real vocal kid. And so he just kind of got overlooked. And so I encouraged him to return back the next year. And But he didn't. He just gave up baseball and he went to tennis instead. He excelled in tennis. He played varsity tennis and one district and was offered a few little uh, opportunities to play at different colleges, but he, he loved baseball and he, he said he didn't love it enough to, to go on. He didn't love the tennis enough. No. And you have to love it because whatever sport you play at the college level, it's, it's brutal. Yeah. College is brutal. Yeah. It's a huge investment in your time and everything. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, you, you know, you mentioned earlier when he played up with his brother and he played up, you know, a few years that you guys realized like, oh, he, you know, he must be actually pretty good. I'm curious when it occurred to you that Nick might be good enough to actually get drafted. Like when did you guys start talking or thinking about that? Well, he loved basketball. So it was like, we knew he was going to have to come down to play one or the other because he was good at basketball too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was getting looked at at baseball. And so, you know, we kind of knew that that's probably where he was going to have the most opportunity. And um, I would say probably, I would probably say before whatever, they have a prep team for high school. And I would say once he got on the prep team for high school, we could kind of tell, you know, that he was shining. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So in high school, did um, Nick have any throwing or training regimen that he followed? Um, basically, you know, the, the coaches there, he played for Klein Collins and, you know, they had, you know, a regimen that they followed and he was all, he was a dual sport athlete, but he was, he was always active. He was always in good shape and he would go to the gym and things like that. And that's one thing they, they said where he, where he went to college at, they were attracted that he was a dual sport athlete. But it's easy to get overlooked if you're a dual sport athlete because he was always playing basketball when baseball season started. And uh, so that's basically he was like he was cross training, I guess you would say. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm glad you mentioned that, too. We talk about that all the time, the multi-sport thing. And is it necessary? Is it helpful? Yes, we do. Yeah. 
they're making it almost impossible. Oh, yeah, I know. Do you mean because because each individual sport is requiring so much of a commitment or or what do you mean? Um, some of the different sports, the coaches are not as supportive. You know, if you're a key player and um, they kind of want you in their sports, <laughs> you know, there's not all of them. And, and there's just so much commitment to to each sport now that it makes it more difficult. And it's too bad because myself personally, I think they made a, a better athlete. They're more well-rounded. They're less likely to get injured, in my opinion. 100%. Yep. We do agree. I'm curious, looking back at his just childhood baseball experiences, do you have anything in particular that stands out for you, like a really fun memory, you know, of him playing baseball, like say high school or younger? I have lots of good memories, but to tell you the truth, they're they're memories like anybody else has. They're like when we would go to our World Series trips, um, you know, the people, the friends that we made, the couples that we hung out with and their kids and doing things with them. Those are some of our best friends. I mean, you will not beat baseball, the baseball community, the baseball moms and dads. So there's not, I can't say there's one certain thing that stood out. It's just, I have those fun memories from T-ball up, you know? Yeah. It sounds like he was on a lot of really great teams in terms of the coaching that he had and just even the people that you were all associating with. Yeah, it's still to this day, like I said, uh, his high school coaches, even his basketball coach came to some of his college games, his baseball coach. He was busy with his own season, but he found time to come to his college games. His um, coach that coached him from seven years up, he came to when he was playing and, you know, they would go play in uh, like in the Astrodome and, they would come and watch him and support him. So he's been very blessed to have good people. It takes a village. Right. Yeah, it does. Yeah. That's great support. That's awesome. Yeah. How was the scouting experience as a parent? So did they mostly go through high school or through the select ball? As far as college scouting? Yes. Yeah. Um, I guess we should say probably recruiting then. Yeah. Recruiting. Yeah. Just different colleges were reaching out. I'm not real sure, you know, where all they were seeing him from, you know, but they would show up at at his games or whatever and and talk to him. And, you know, he would go visit the different colleges and, and ultimately we kind of left it up to him. He did have one, he almost committed to another college in Texas and he was looking at another one in uh, West Virginia, but he kind of decided against going that far. And the weather was very different from Texas. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And uh, he ultimately, you know, we left it up to him. But the one, the other place who he wanted to go to had a great pitching coach. And at the last minute, the pitching coach got an offer to go somewhere out of state. And that's where oh. he he was attracted because of the pitching coach. So then he wound up going to Sam Houston State, which was 45 minutes an hour down the road. So we got to go to a lot of his games. So it really worked out nice. Still a D1 college, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we had talked before the recording. Didn't you mention that he was drafted out of high school? It was just like really low down in the draft and he chose college instead? Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't top prospect. He um, he put on a lot of size since then, you know, and he he didn't want to go for chump change. You know, and so he knew that he could either go to junior college and be drafted after two years or he could go to D1 and be drafted after three years. And I'm glad that he went D1 because he had the opportunity. Sam Houston State had never had never advanced 
as far as they did the his freshman year in the College World Series. So, and he got to pitch and was very instrumental in that. So, you know, they wound up going to Super Regionals. So that was a great opportunity for him. And I think that that's part of absolutely that also led to him being invited to the Cape Cod League. And if he wasn't playing D1 ball, he probably would have never experienced the Cape Cod League, which was a phenomenal experience. You mentioned that he played in the Cape Cod Cape Cod League, and I don't know a ton about it, but I know that it it's talked about as being a very like high end college level league. And is this what ultimately led to him getting drafted? Do you think was his play there? It certainly helped him. It didn't hurt him at all because it, you know, when you go to pitch in the Cape Cod League, I don't know, there could be 15 or 20 scouts there watching you from all over the place uh, when you pitch and you go by invitation only and you, if you don't perform, you're sent home. So he was fortunate that he got to be there the whole summer. And he also was fortunate that he had the most wonderful host family to live with, which we're still in contact with them. Oh, I love that. And yeah, a single mom with four kids and her dad was living with her too. She's an angel from heaven. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That is nice. She looked after our boy and, um, you know, he didn't have a vehicle and he's 20 plus hours away from home and she helped him out. One of her kids had a vehicle and she let him drive her vehicle and it was just, um, it just all worked out. But the Cape Cod League is, it, it, yeah, it just about, I don't know the percentage of people that do get drafted Cape Cod League, but it is very high. Okay, and I'm just going to interject really briefly here to say after looking it up, we learned that 65% of college players drafted in 2020 played Cape Cod League baseball. So if you look at 112 college players that were selected, 72 of them played Cape Cod League. And it looks like it's pretty clear that a good portion of the players either played for Team USA or played in the Cape Cod League. My husband and I got to go out there for a week, and it is a baseball parent's vacation because I've never seen anything like it. Their whole town revolves around baseball. Everybody goes to the baseball game. They bring a picnic lunch. They bring their bicycles or basketballs. I mean, the whole evening is spent at the ballpark. And uh, the people in these capes, because you play against the different capes, and there's a bunch of capes in Cape Cod, and um, that's what they live for is the summertime when all these players come out. And and it's some good baseball because these guys are hungry. They want to get drafted. And um, it was just, uh, I'm sure they were devastated because this past year they didn't get to have their league for the first time ever because of COVID. And mm. I can't imagine what it did to their, their towns, their economy as well, because people come from all over the place to just come watch these boys at Cape Cod. I know as you're talking about this, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, not that my family ever has a weekend off in the summer. But if we did, wouldn't that be such a fun little trip to take the kids that to go be. watch some really serious, you know, college ball with, you know, people hoping to get drafted? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my husband and I are definitely, I mean, he's not playing anymore, but we're like, we're definitely going back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that does sound like fun. So you talked a little bit about last year and this Cape Cod League didn't happen and, you know, minor league games didn't happen either. So he was drafted in 2019 and, you know, late in the season. So what did what did 2020 look like for him? What did he do? He was fortunate. He got invited out 
um, not not any of the other people he hardly knew that were minor leagues got invited. They obviously thought a lot of them. They invited him out, and he spent I want to say four weeks, six weeks maybe out at, in Arizona, but uh, it was shut down prematurely because of COVID. So he was sent back home uh, right before the cases skyrocketed. So you're saying he he was sent out for spring training with some of the higher level guys, but then ended up getting sent back home? Um, he wasn't like, like this year he's with the higher level guys. He's actually spring training. But last year, they, I guess, something to do with COVID as well. They just had, yeah, it was something to do with COVID because usually they had four guys, baseball guys sharing an apartment. Last year, they had two sharing an apartment because of COVID. So they cut down on the number of people that they were going to have out for the minors. So they went and they just played against certain, just among, I think, one other organization. I think just to keep their skills up, you know, not knowing what the season was going to be like. And so it wound up, they didn't even have a season. And after, I want to say, I'm not sure if they got to the six weeks, but they got close to the six weeks. And then everything was, all of baseball was shut down. Right. Mm -hmm. So we looked at his stats from 2019. And like we said, last year didn't end up happening, but he did have, you know, a handful of games that he got to pitch in in 2019. And uh, what I read about was that he pitched 25 total innings combined in rookie ball and low A ball. He struck out 36 batters and walked only three. The batting average against him was 165, and he only allowed one earned run in those 25 innings. So his ERA was 0.36, which is a pretty darn good Mm. start. So we talked a little bit about... We we kind of just touched on the fact that he's out there with maybe some higher level guys this year. I wondered if you just would talk a little bit about what's in store. Do we know anything? What's he hoping for this year? Um, he did get to pitch for you know for the um, I think AAA and and MLB coach. Um, and he did have an outing the other day. I don't really. He doesn't tell me a whole like he's so busy. <laughs> right. That we I feel that. <laughs> he. I mean, he may message me late at night because their time is like an hour earlier than us. And you'll say, I send me a picture of my son and his, that's his puppy. (laughs) uh, (laughs) He'll want a video or whatever. Um, And I know he did have an outing and he did very well. I want to say they only allow him to pitch like 20 in the game scenario, 20 pitches. And he said he struck out three and I think one uh, ground out to first or something. So no one got on base, he said. And, um, that's nice. I, I don't really know, um, actual spring training with the big boys is all new to me. So I don't even know how it really works. <laughs> so right. uh, I know they, they started playing games. It's more of the experience of being with the guys and I'm sure he would like, you know, he wants to come out uh, and should come up at, to the higher level team, but which team he's going to be at. I don't think he knows just yet which right. level team. Of course, the goal is to get as high as you can. I mean, we know he's not going to be at MLB this year, but I mean, if he could get to double A, you know, he'd be happy there. If he get to triple A, that'd be fantastic. You know, uh, right. We should, Mm -hmm. you know, time will tell. Yeah. Well, we're excited to keep an eye on him and see how he does, because that was a really impressive start. And I know if they're going to keep using him as a reliever, I don't know a whole lot about how the system works, but I do know that if anyone's able to move quite quickly through the system, it tends to be relief pitchers. So we'll just see what happens. That's that's really exciting. Yeah. 
But before we move on, I want to touch on, this is actually how I found you in a group you had posted that Nick was having some trouble getting out to spring training this year. So I was hoping you could talk a little bit about that experience. Yes, Texas. <laughs> I mean, we have never had snow that even like stays on the ground. And so we have this snowstorm come out of nowhere, it seemed like. And, um, you know, we're losing power. Uh, we were fortunate that we just had like either rolling blackout or we lost power for like nine hours. But some people were um, were days without power, but then we lost our water. And so he's supposed to go to spring training. The airport was closed for three days. And then after the airport opened, then um, then his flight would get canceled because all the flights were, you know, bumped out and everything because of the snowstorm. And so it was kind of like, it was very stressful because we went like two days with no water pressure and then no water. And then we had boil water notice. So I felt really sorry for him because he's gr- waking up every day and it's like Groundhog Day. Are we going to have any water? Can I take a oh, shower? Yeah. You know, am I going to have to, when am I going to leave? Is my flight going to get bumped back? Uh, but we got him there. He was like four or five days late, but we got him there. Yeah, like you said, how crazy, how stressful that must have been for him day in, day out, knowing that he's missing that and and then having that situation at home on top of it with no water and wondering how he's going to get there. And I mean, we were very fortunate. People, their pipes were bursting, their ceilings were falling in, and we just had a pipe on the outside of the house first. So we felt very blessed. Uh, but then you, I mean, you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't drive anywhere. On Monday, the first day of this Houston, I have a picture of it. It was like a ghost town. Um my husband was essential. He had to get out and work regardless, but uh, that's how I knew it was like a ghost town. Right. And um, it was even, even now I cannot, uh, the grocery stores are still, I, you can hardly get milk products, a lot of the frozen stuff. I, put, I can't get my coffee creamer. Yeah. Gosh, oh and it's, it's been a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you hear about how hard Texas was hit with this, but you know, yeah, to hear about what people were going through firsthand it yeah what an experience wow mm-hmm. yeah so I just wanted to touch a little bit um I don't think we mentioned it but do you know how fast Nick is pitching um he's got different pitches that he throws um uh, I I believe the last time I talked to him I want to say he was doing 96 97 on like fastballs Dang. right okay but to tell you the truth I'm one of those moms that when he's pitching I'm sitting there just saying a prayer and um with your eyes covered yes (laughs) Uh uh-huh we get it (laughs) um debbie is there any baseball experience that you wish you could have done differently or have not done at all it sounds like he had a pretty positive experience for the most part so i guess we're just curious if there is anything that you would do differently if you could go back for him probably during the time my parents um were ill and I was trying to teach full time and I was being like their primary caregiver and I was hiring and my mom had Alzheimer's, my dad had cancer and congestive heart failure. So it was like a full-time job just taking care of them. And so I didn't make a lot of his games, you know, that always bugged me, you know, uh, I don't regret taking care of my parents, but um, maybe if I could have hired more help and, you know, I had one season where I was, I was absent quite a bit. Um, and I felt very detached from my family in general. I was the sandwich generation mom, you know. 
Right. No, I mean, we get it. I mean, everybody has that mom guilt. I mean, we even have it sometimes if you go back to work, you know, you're torn in so many different spots and, you know, multiple kids, and then you want to go to this game and you can't go to both games. We totally get it. And that's, that's definitely understandable. Yeah. That was an impossible Mm -hmm. situation. Um, I'm positive that Nick could never fault you for, you know, for being caregiver for your parents. Also during the same time, my brother got leukemia. And I was the only person who matched him as a bone marrow. And, and I was so stressed that I could not get enough uh, oh harvest the first time. So I had to go back and do it a second time, like three, three weeks later. And so I was really absent. And then I was not feeling well from all the stress of all that. Yeah, so I do. I'm sure. I, I do regret um, not finding a way to balance it better at the time, but hindsight, you know. No, you just, you do one day at a time. That's all you can do. Yeah. Um, I think we only have one more question left here for you. You know, it seems like most ballparks are still at this time submitting their proposals to figure out how they're going to, you know, safely play baseball and have fans in the stadium this year. So no one's really sure what COVID restrictions are going to look like everywhere. But if the COVID restrictions allow it allow fans and everything are you like what what kind of career do you have are you going to be able to take some time off and and follow him around and watch his games this year yes I'm going to get my COVID shot so I can be (laughs) in the stands I've got it scheduled in two weeks from now and hopefully they'll open up I um, actually kind of stumbled upon a virtual health and fitness business when I the last couple of years that I taught and I was doing it on the side and was enjoying it. I never really thought it would turn into much. Uh, but I was in a very stressful job. And every time it was, he traveled a lot out of, you know, out of town for his college ball. And I liked being there. And so it was really hard to get off in time to go to games and everything. And so it just kind of, as my business was growing, I just thought, you know what? I can work this anywhere. I can work this on my phone. I can work this on my laptop. And so, um, I got brave one day and I just said, you know what? I'm not missing any more of his games that I don't have to because college ball is, it's intense and it is fun. That is the best experience. College ball is wonderful. And um, so I went in and, and um, mid-year, which was very unusual for me. And uh, my boss was totally, totally taken back, but completely understood that uh, it was time for me to, you know, be available more. And so I haven't blinked an eye. Uh, it was the best move I ever made. And um, I worked it sometimes, you know, before the games, I'd be have my phone in the stands. I would take my laptop with me when we went on tournaments and uh, served my clients very well and served my child very well too. Awesome. Good for you. That's so great that you were able to find a balance that, you know, worked for yeah. everybody. Mm-hmm. So I know that you have been on other podcasts to talk about your business. So we will make sure to include that information in our show notes so listeners can go check that out. Okay, thank you. Other than that, thank you so much for talking to us yes. t- today, Debbie. We're really excited. I'm going to keep an eye on Nick. I think this is yeah. going to be a really exciting year for him. So we're going to keep an eye on him and, you know, we'd appreciate it if you could kind of keep us in the loop too. If, if he ever gets any news or if we hear what team is going to be on, we could we could share that and keep the listeners informed. Yeah, we know it's going to be somewhere in Ohio because 
And Indians teams are almost all of them are in Ohio. So right. we know it's going to be Ohio. We just don't know which one yet. I sure will do that. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's always fun to talk to baseball people. Love, love, love the baseball community. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You found your tribe. That's us. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for talking to us. This is great. Have a great night. You too. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. Well, that's the last inning. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Also on Facebook, we're Moms in Baseball. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, feel free to give us a five-star rating. We love to hear from you. On deck for next week, we're going to be talking to Stephanie Brogdon. Stephanie is the mother of Connor Brogdon. He is a six foot six right-handed pitcher for the Philadelphia Phillies. And he made his major league debut last year in August. Until then, have fun at the fields. We'll see you next week. something catchy like well that's the end of the game that's the final inning that's the last out that's the last inning no what did I say before yeah game over (laughs) (laughs) okay well that's the last inning that's all we (laughs) I held it as long as I possibly could I'm so sorry I can totally see you. I know. I can't see you. I, I, so I forgot that that meant you could still see me, though. <laughs> okay, okay, wait. okay.